0: Dat zou dan een Europese buitengrens worden omdat de Ierse Republiek wel bij de EU blijft horen. De meeste partijen in de Tweede Kamer steunen het omroepplan van minister Slob voor de media om NPO 1, 2 en 3 tot 8 uur s'avonds reclame vrij te houden en de uitzendingen online helemaal. Ook kan een omroep met minder leden in het bestel komen als nu het geval is. Verder moeten omroepen meer samenwerken, ook met partijen van buiten. Volgens Slop kosten de reclameplannen de omroep 60 miljoen euro. De regering wil dat voor 40 miljoen compenseren. De overheid en de vervoerregio Amsterdam zijn het eens geworden over het kostenplaatje... om de treincapaciteit tussen Haarlem en Zandvoort te verhogen. Op het moment dat in Zandvoort de Formule 1-races van start gaan... verwacht de NS een toename van 50.000 passagiers. Het traject moet daarom aangepast worden... Eerder vandaag maakte de stichting Duinbehoud bekend naar de rechter te stappen om onherstelbare natuurschade te voorkomen door werkzaamheden rond het circuit van Zandvoort. Het weer af en toe regen, maar vannacht kans op mist of dichte mist. minimaal van 11 tot 15 graden. Tot zover het Radio Nieuws.
1: Wednesday evenings from six until seven. Oh.
2: <laughs> De, traver, de vivre en travers La rage craver, puis bien loin en arrière La rage d'avoir crainti trop vite Quand des adultes volent ton pas Imagine un mur et un poli La rage, car impossible et cette pétan voulu La rage de voir autant de CRS armés dans nos rues La rage de voir ce putain monde s'autodétruire Et que ce soit toujours des innocents au centre des tirs La rage car c'est l'homme qui a créé chaque mur Ses barricades de Aurait-il peur de la nature La rage car il a oublié qu'il entre se ses séparcie Des harmonies profondes mais dans quel monde la colombe est partie La rage Malavré par les piques d'énormes Et puis la rage, ouais la rage avant la rage depuis qu'on est mort On restera de pourquoi qu'il arrive J'allais jusqu'au bout Et là on veut bien nous mener la vie On ne pourra plus se ternir Ni s'asseoir dorénavant On tiendra rentrer Quand on a la rage, le cœur, la voix On restera de pourquoi qu'il arrive J'allais jusqu'au bout Et là on veut bien nous mener la vie Rien ne pourra plus nous arrêter Insoumise, sage, marginal Humaniste ou révolter Lorsqu'on choisit rien Et qu'on subit tout le temps Et vu que leurs choix sont bancales Et ben depuis un bout de temps Car qu'est-ce qu'on attend pour se mettre debout et foutre le boucle La rage, c'est tout ce qui nous laisse Passons. Tout ce qui nous reste la Car combien des notes finiront par retourner leurs fesses La, la rage, de vivre et de vivre l'instant présent De choisir son futur libre et sans leur cri d'oppression La race. car c'est la merde et que ce monde y adhère Et ouais. parce que tout l'argent OGM stérilise la terre La rage, pour qu'un jour l'entre-nage soit brisé. La rage, car trop lisse, vérité sur leur écran télévise c'est La rage, car ce monde ne nous correspond pas Nous nourrissons de forêt pour placer leur remparts La rage, Car ce monde ne nous correspond pas Où Babylone s'engraisse pendant qu'on crève en bas On restera de quoi qu'il arrive J'allais jusqu'au bout et là où on veut bien nous mener la vie On pourra plus terre ni s'asseoir Dorénavant on tiendra près quand qu'on a la rage, le cœur, la voix On restera de quoi qu'il arrive J'allais jusqu'au bout et là où on veut bien nous mener la vie Rien ne pourra plus nous arrêter Un Insoumis, sage, marginal, humaniste ou révolter La rage, d'y croire et de faire en sorte que ça bouge la rage, D'un Chirac, d'un Sharon, d'un Tony Blair ou d'un Bush Mais de cris aillent s'entourer parce qu'ils n'entendent jamais les cris Lorsque le sang coule, l'arrache car c'est le pire que nous frôlons La rage, car l'occident n'a toujours la douche, ou pas ôté sa tenue de colon La rage, car le mal d'absence cesse trop Et qu'eux ne sont plus mis au bout du jour Tant de grâce à bord rage, trop de mensonges et de secrets gardés Elite de nos états, riches de vérité pouvant changer l'humanité la rage, car ils ne veulent pas que ça change Ils veulent faire garder leur pouvoir et nous manipuler comme leurs anges La rage, car on prend aux anges et qu'on a choisi de marcher avec que La rage, parce que mes propos dérangent Goût, la rage du feu, la l'ébullition, la rage, voilà la rage Où l'essence de la révolution on, la rage, on restera de pouvoir qu'il arrive. J'allais jusqu'au bout et là où veut bien nous mener la vie On ne pourra plus s'terr, ni s'asseoir, dorénavant On tiendra près, quand on a la rage, le cœur est la foi la rage,
3: I'm Anastasia. Welcome back to another episode of Student Radio Maastricht. Tonight, uh, topically relevant, we're going to be talking about uh, rage. Who is filled with rage? I motion to say students. What can we do with that rage? Uh, Channel it into positive change, I think. Um, And that's what we're going to be discussing today. In the studio, I have A, my friend, and Machil, my other friend. We're going to be talking about being politically engaged as a university student in both the realm of university and then locally. I think uh, it's a really neat way to uh, discuss engagement in communities, how we can be involved, how can we not be involved, how can we benefit, how can we make a positive movement towards progress. And happiness and hopefully fulfillment i think that's what we all want <laughs> so um if i could start the conversation by asking what are some ways we as students can be politically active big ways small ways why is that a why is that an important thing
4: okay hi i am a thank you so much for hosting me on the radio of
3: course thank you for it having me host you
4: okay what was your question again
3: so just what are ways students can start being active so context i'm a new student in a new city i've never been here before maybe i haven't been involved in like high school or uh, my own community at home but i want to start making connections and making uh uh having new experiences and broadening my my personal world for you how do i do that
4: Okay, Uh, generally speaking, I think it starts with two things. Activism just as a concept. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should try to define it first or clarify it. We
3: can put a pin in it.
4: Yeah. Um, Basically, it's two things. The first is knowing that the world is messed up, that there are things going wrong in the world. The second is having a belief that you can actually change them. One without the other doesn't make any sense. If you think the world is going fine, then you don't need activism. And if you think that the world is going in a really wrong direction, but you can't do anything about it, then you also will not have a situation where activism can emerge. Mm-hmm. So really both are very intertwined, the process of understanding what's happening and developing hope to to change it, to do something that is better. Um, Of course, for the context, every student has a very different context. It also depends on the city. Some cities have really huge movements where students can easily participate or go on a demonstration or something. But in a city like Maastricht, it is very important first for students to understand their context because there is not much happening. So they are very likely that they will be initiating actually something because there isn't much going on, to be honest, which means that they need to have A decent or at least close to that understanding of history and how we ended up here, how people before us tried to bring about social change and how society works basically, so that you will not spend time doing activism in vain basically, because if you don't understand how things are operating, you will not be able to. The next step and i wouldn't want to say the next step because it's learning about history is a never-ending process Mm -hmm. but at some point i think you develop the idea that an action needs to be taken an idea has to be put into practice my favorite philosopher says Uh, philosophers have interpreted the world the point is to change it and you don't need so much action without theory well you don't need a lot of theory without any action Mm -hmm. so at some point students develop interest in a certain cause that is also relevant for their town so let's if we talk about Maastricht we have a problem let's say with student loans or with so much stress over the professors or recently also the new environmental movement has Mm -hmm. been emerging so they can already look at pre-existing movements that interests them and see what they can do with these movements, attend demonstrations, uh, get together and talk about it. Uh, Reading circles are exceptionally vital for activism. You need to maintain reading circles where you get introduced to revolutionary literature, but also different kind of ideas that you will try to implement at some point in your local context.
3: And I I think there's... A scholarship aspect to a lot of things, not just (coughs) political engagement, but I think with political, being politically engaged, I should say, there's a lot of things you must know. I think there has to be a context of understanding. Once again, like you said, where you are, what is the history of that space? Like, what is the history of this location? What is the history of how? of how bureaucracy works here what are the what's the history of um activists activists past um like what movements have happened in order for us to come to the place we are because i'm just repeating what you said but i thought it was a brilliant point and i don't think i hear it enough but you can't it's so detrimental to start behind when you could be starting starting at a point where you can actually make momentum you know what i mean yeah. So I hit the microphone, sorry everybody, it's okay.
5: Yeah, yeah, and I think um, AJ made some really interesting points um, there because um, when you talk about activism, it can take a lot of um, different forms, and I think a lot of people who maybe aren't very uh, politically inclined already or very engaged in this process, they uh, they might feel this responsibility or this this almost insurmountable you know, thing in front of them, and they almost feel like they don't know where to start, or it seems like there's a lot of pressure on them. And I think changing that perception around that, and that you can start with small steps, and you can start with, um, yeah, small scale things, and and build it up. I think that's very helpful, especially for a lot of students who, like I said, aren't already involved in that process. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think A touched a lot on that.
4: I mean, it certainly looks very overwhelming for an individual person that got recently introduced to the topic to hear scientists saying that we have 12 years left, to see uh, a lot of uh, far right and fascist leaders rising in, you know, supposedly democratic countries, to see wars ripping off the Middle East from Morocco all the way to Afghanistan and everything in between. It can, it, it would really look overwhelming and it has always been overwhelming, but the vital point is that I can't, but we can. Mm-hmm. And if everybody understands that, I think it will you know, enhance our capacity to bring about positive change. That, that's how it has been happening, it's not a speculation. That is how women got to vote, that's how slavery got abolished, that's how we got Saturday, uh, because the workers the fought workers and fights. went on strike. Mm-hmm to actually get the Saturday. That's how we got the eight hour working day. That's how we got children out of the factory in Europe. So it is about struggle. It's about collective struggle, very much so.
3: And coming back to the song, like there is so much anger and there's so much viscerality in how people experience the the traumatic and the unjust things. And the challenge is figuring out a way to organize that anger into something that can move something forward or make something new or produce a new outcome that is beneficial and better for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's a lot of steps that need to happen before you can like even get there. Like there's a realization that needs to happen. Like myself, like I, I experienced this recently, I was just like, wow, I'm so angry all the time, now what? I have I have that first step of like, okay, this is an acknowledgement. Things are kind of bad all the time. What can I do and how can I do it? Where can I put this energy?
5: Yeah, and I think there's a step there in that process where a lot of people do one of two things, and that's either switch off from the negativity and disengage, especially coming from America. I think there's a lot of people I know who they know it's a bad situation but they just c- can't be bothered to keep up with it on a daily basis because yeah it is a lot to keep up with but i think the importance is to to let people know that it's important to become involved and that t- turning away while it might feel good you know in the long term you're still going to be around that negativity and yeah there these things are real and they impact real people mm-hmm. and in the long run, it's so fulfilling to be part of this movement and part of organizations that are doing good things. And I think it's important to inform especially younger people about that because it can feel so overwhelming. And I know I've been in that place before. And uh, going to marches the last few years in Maastricht for climate reform and seeing it's all the little things too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can call it little, but I don't know. But a lot of the Albert Heijn protests, even over plastic in the Albert Heijn, yeah. those things, you know, they... Some people may even call them trivial or say, what does that matter in the large scale when there's these big companies polluting the environment? But it's important and it it feels important as well. And you know that you're being heard as well because especially in Maastricht, there's a lot of energy around things like that. And uh, I'm sure we'll get around to the upcoming uh, climate march at some point in our conversation. Yeah. But uh, yeah.
3: Sure. Um, I actually, I can bring it up right now because I was just at the info market Um, today at the Student Service Center um, with all of the different uh, projects, initiatives, organizations. um, And I got to talk to almost everybody. And what everybody had in common was that they were trying to build up a community. And I think think it's really interesting that all of these communities have existed and now they're in the process of organizing themselves, um, producing something, um, some of which uh, manifests itself as a citywide climate marches. Some of it manifests itself as a new garden at Tapine, where you can um, volunteer and uh, harvest like traditionally ugly fruit so it's reused um, and not thrown away. And like all all of these things have a purpose and they affect change, just what change do they affect is is marginally different. Because as I think personally, I think as long as something benefits anyone, like just one person, I think that's a positive change.
4: Yeah. I I do believe that you know, the system plays in it a little bit mm-hmm. because the system has taught us to the, the, the immediate rush of happiness. You buy the iPhone, you charge it, and you know, your happiness begins. But when we talk about history, when we talk about how social change happens, it's all about the little steps. We only see the big stuff. Whoa, French revolutionaries stood up and they overthrew the monarchy. But there has been so much before building up and so much after mm-hmm. that we see France the way we see it today. It's every single year there has been major events happening in history that led up to a certain point which we study very briefly. So I think it, if, you un- if we understand that social change takes time and we accept that, that is also very much striking the fundamental ideology of the system which advocates for everything being super fast, consumed very quickly and move on to the next thing within a week or two. So. It takes time, it does take time.
3: And um, this is a good segue to my other bullet point because I really wanted to address political literacy and like consumer literacy. Like how can we be literate as consumers in this highly commercialized um, society? Because this is is how (laughs) we're conditioned, this is how we're trained to behave and trained to understand. And what is the process of becoming aware of that? What is the process of learning how to read news in a productive way, learning about how the news outlets have their own agendas, how they present m- media in different ways, that kind of thing. Um, and I just, I wanted to talk about that for a moment because as as a young person, I think I'm still learning how to be literate in these ways. Everyone is. Everyone is. Um, and I think it took me a really long time to start. Um, so I just I just wanted to talk about that? like How how can we be better? How can we read news better? How can we read politics better? How can we hold um, the systems that uh, we live under uh, accountable?
4: Yeah. Well, I think basically it is also an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. It's a never-ending process actually. Big thinkers have died and they still had an urge to learn more. I do believe that we need to diversify our sources of information, but it's also very important to read or to at least... have an idea what's going on in the theoretical world where you know big thinkers have theorized about how the world operates and i do believe that if we would like to increase the political literacy in society because we can have a debate as to how to inform ourselves Mm -hmm. but i think the very important debate is how to get people interested in informing themselves because no one actually is or very few number of people and perhaps we can divided in three very important things, very important, uh, uh, let's say, belief systems. The first is to look at historical experience and learn what have we accomplished. The second is to create the need to preserve what has been accomplished, basically because all of these civil rights are coming under attack today Mm -hmm. by uh, so many populist leaders, etc, etc. And the third is to convince people with a very basic idea, which is we deserve more, we deserve better. This is, um, <clears throat> or at least it should be common sense, but unfortunately it's not. And if we get over these steps, I think informing yourself is also to a large extent personal mm-hmm. as well, you know, uh, people who are uh, better at reading short articles, people who are better at watching YouTube videos or doing this or doing that. There is no one way or the other. And as long as you're taking a path, as long as you decide to move forward, um, this is this is very good. This is uh, a very good step. It's not the last because there is no
5: last step.
3: People have thoughts in the beginning of time and people are gonna continue to think yeah. forever.
5: Yeah, and I believe especially in in democracies, modern democracies, there's a growing portion of people. Again, coming from American perspective, it's it's increased, but that people take democracy for granted mm-hmm. and they see it as something that will is stable and will always be there and will always work properly because it seems like such a simple concept. You know, how could it go wrong? But democracy is something, and most of the major, demo, you know, early thinkers who contributed to the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, even back in Rome, acknowledged this, that democracy is something that you have to fight for and keep maintaining, and there's always more to fight for. Like, it's something that must constantly change, and I think many modern democracies struggle with that now in sort of a state of stagnation and a rate of change that is unacceptable, especially in the face of a lot of crises we're in, in terms of climate change and the migration crisis, and you know, this is a time where we need to take action and where we have more resources and information than ever to take action on things. Yeah. And uh, we get bogged down in awful discourse and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're difficult problems, but uh, they're problems that we, can, that we can get over with proper education and political engagement.
4: I certainly have to agree with you, I mean, uh, indeed there is a general, this general idea that democracy is a given, Um, and the important question is what type of democracy are people talking about, because people did not develop those ideas out of the void. Those ideas are the very product of democracy they live under. When you live under a democracy that requires from you one vote every four years with no form of participation or minimum form of participation, then I can see people getting alienated at some point. How is it gonna make a difference this day, me going, writing something on a paper, putting it in a ballot? This is very alienating. But in different forms of democracy where people have to participate, where they have to uh, take matters to their own hands, things become different because if one day they slack or they don't participate, they will feel it immediately the day after. Mm-hmm. So it encourages certain forms of participation other than voting, other forms of democracy.
5: Yeah, 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 and voting is something that that has become the main function of democracy or the main mechanism of democracy and this other main pillar of democracy, which is protest and activism, is completely neglected and increasingly uh, demonized, I think, Uh, especially when it's activism involving minorities. Look at how Black Lives Matter is treated in America, and often by the American media. Journalism is extremely important, but the way that we talk about these things is, unfortunately, I think, still way behind the times. And, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about this, Anastasia?
3: Um And... I think I think it's easy to understand. It's much easier to e- it's words right now, but um, it's much easier to understand these institutions that we grow up with as monolithic. Like it feels like these these are monoliths. These are institutions that are going to be here for the rest of our lives. But that's not true. Like there's not a single institution that cannot be toppled in in a matter of years. Um, and I think. I think we—it's just a process of understanding that these things need to be taken with a, pin, a grain of salt. Everything does, and nothing—nothing nothing is as ever is as good as it seems or as good as you want it, because there's always going to be underlying factors of how these institutions were established, um, and rarely were they ever established in 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 a good way. Yeah, but. But we can do our best. <laughs> I, I got really sad right there. So I wanted to, I felt very really, uh, vulnerable in this, uh, this big, big world. And I think, uh, I think that's also an important thing because it's, it, it's a challenge. It's, it's such a tough thing to challenge, challenge how you think about yourself in this world. And when you face things that make you challenge that, challenge your own, your mental perceptions of everything, that's a scary thing. And I think it scares people away because it's so much less scary to not challenge, challenge your perceptions about things or their histories or their effects or their consequences. Um, And I think that makes university, at least in my, my experience, like this point in my life, very good place to start questioning those things. Um, thoughts?
5: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm just gonna turn this question over to A because he has some experience with dealing with um, bureaucracy, things like that. He has a lot of knowledge on that. And um, yeah, the, the university is what, is what instructs you on government and politics and things like that. <laughs> and at the same time, there can be a lot of bureaucracy behind the scenes that um, is kind of hypocritical to what they're teaching sometimes. And um, yeah, so what, what do you have to say about that?
4: Well, I have to say that um, I think the university itself, from the inside in terms of curriculum, cannot escape the logic of the system. Mm-hmm. So you will see a lot of things, no matter how critical they try to be, that reproduces the same neoliberal ideology, which brought us all here into the problem at the first place but at the same time the institution itself is very bound by the external world which is also very neoliberal. Uh, The university itself is divided between the administrative team and the academics so even though it shouldn't be the case there might be certain let's not say clash of interests but um colliding interests somehow where the administrative team is pushed by the government to implement certain policies but the professors are uh, not very comfortable with it because it's increasing their stress it's uh, you know causing them problems it's forcing them to compete where they don't have to and in my opinion competition always leads to the loss of quality when you have to publish just for the sake of publishing so that you have published up to 4 articles a year and one book whatever, then the quality inevitably will go down. Uh, if you have to handle 10 students in one hour instead of five students, then the quality of correcting these students, giving them advice will go down. So the general idea which is pushing all these people to, com- to compete, whether it be it professors or students, is leading to a decline in quality and this is very problematic because universities historically have been the harbingers of social change. Uh, whether it be it students or academicians, they have produced ideas, they have produced revolutionaries, and most importantly, they have produced a lot of action. Uh, And this is also today is one of the many things that is coming under attack.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, Exactly, I agree 100%. I think think there's an element of just this um, (coughs) manufacturing, like this forced creation of content, um that is really a disadvantage when it comes to ex- like expanding how you think because if you're in a space being taught by a, a tutor who is so caught up in in their career that they have to do this and this and this in the same way about this thing and this thing and this thing if they're not challenging themselves how can how can I as a student expect me to challenge myself and universities being the the place in which these thinkers and these revolutionaries and these actions take place, I think it's because like they could be challenged, yeah, one hundred percent like that was the time, and that was the space, and this is how just the access of knowledge, um new experiences, new people, n- new forms of communication that's how you bring up that's how you have i don't know new thoughts
4: yeah absolutely it's
3: how you get out of these filter bubbles i think we're we so often find ourselves in like as you said like places and um the university and the spaces around the university can can are just so self-reflective of a neoliberal ideology that you don't see anything outside of that yeah it becomes such a bubble and you can't pop it
4: yeah It's all about efficiency, maximizing the outcome Mm -hmm. and, you know, preparing students to be ready for the labor market, just like a factory, actually. It becomes the same logic as the factory, manufacturing all these students. And what it's actually doing, it's really killing the purpose that people have, because I do believe that capitalism, the capitalist system has taken away so many things from us. But the most important thing they took away from our generation is the capacity to dream walk around the faculty and people ask you, why are you studying here? And you say, because I wanna make the world a better place, you'll be ridiculed.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
4: You are studying there because you wanna get a decent job, because you didn't know what to do otherwise, because of this, because of that. And the same goes for, unfortunately, a lot of professors who feel at some point that we're caught up in this giant capitalist machine, we cannot make our way out, and we just need to make a living and continue to survive and it is it is certainly killing the purpose in all
5: of us oh boy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it can sound a bit heavy i think i think but (laughs) but yeah it's important to acknowledge these things and and to recognize that there is a a problem with this disenchantment in in the idea of progress and the idea of change and it can happen so quickly and it does seem like we've mentioned already the pace of modern society and the the, you know, quick re- release of dopamine that you feel like, uh, a mentioned the iPhone oh, we're and we're yeah, down. exactly. But Absolutely. that, that translates to change as well. And then when we talk about the biggest issues facing our society, these things require quick solutions, but they are long-term problems that many people, privileged people, especially don't necessarily feel day to day. And This fast paced society has really inhibited us from being able to think about our long term future and to look outside of our daily lives. I know Anastasia mentioned filter bubbles and the fact that, you know, people, a lot of people still say, unfortunately to this day, like, I don't see a difference outside. You know, in winter it's still cold. So how can you say global warming? And it's that closed minded (laughs) still. And that's incredible, I think. But uh, yeah, I I still believe, and I think you have to believe that there can be still be progress, and that there will be progress. Absolutely.
3: And it's always effortful, and it's never not going <clears> to <throat> be effortful. But it's that effort that I think m- makes it what it is and makes it valuable. Yeah. Um, it's that challenge, and it it requires a lot of energy and a lot of time to get to that yeah. point. But I think it's so valuable, and it's. And it's not gonna go away because it—that's it, it, not just—that's not how humans react to things. It's not gonna go away, but it might get harder. Yeah. And I think I think that's something that is always important to keep in mind. Um, with that, I think I'm gonna segue to a song that A has chosen for us again. Um, I'm gonna say, Sachet hit it." In case you didn't know, he's uh, doing tech for us today. Stoic as ever. love her sons um i believe that was a ukrainian little uh, rock anthem was that yeah, right the ukrainian, ukrainian one um but the song is called mother anarchy loves her sons and i think she definitely does she really does <laughs> Alrighty. so next on the talking list i think um i wanted i want to expand more on hmm so much to talk about and i'm really i'm really enjoying this conversation with you guys i just wanted to say that right now um But I think, how can we function as, Ooh, squeaky, Um, how can we function as active citizens, both within the university and outside? And I want to take this from a very international perspective, Mm -hmm. being as we aren't, like, with the exclusion of Machil, we're not citizens in the traditional sense but we're here we we shop at the same grocery stores we um we pay the same housing taxes in those ways we do we exist in this community what does that make for us how do we still have the same right? as do we still have the same active citizenship obligations Is that a question I
4: can ask? Yeah, of course. It's a very interesting question. And I do believe that the question embodies certain um, counter-narrative to what so many nationalists argue, that you're coming to this country and you want to tell us how things should be done. But as a matter of fact, the problems that are facing the world today are, per definition, international. Mm -hmm. No, they're not international. They're actually anti-national because they require transcending all borders, transcending our normal conception of things. So I do believe that if you're a human being, you have as much duty wherever you are to uh, try to contribute, to try to bring about the positive social change that we all hope for. Um, It is really difficult for students to be engaged Mm -hmm. in activism. Certainly. Um, One of the many, many things is Basically because of the you know the time management issue and stuff like that. I don't want to scare people off, but it's only going to get worse. That's the whole purpose of the capitalist system. If you don't have time now to become active, you'll never have time to become active. You actually have to make time for activism, which also shouldn't be alienating. You should like what you're doing so select your battles because you cannot fight on all fronts. And if you choose something that relates to you personally, suppose that you are interested in vegan diets and you're very interested in the what's happening with the climate, you really love animals, then why don't you check out the environmentalist movement, see what you can contribute from within. And you don't have to uh, bring about you know immensely big change, but it's already something if you can cook for activists who go on a demonstration, or start a new uh, food bank for the poor where you provide vegan food and show that uh, uh, a lot of waste can actually be used again. So you have to select what interests you Mm -hmm. so that you can make it fun, because if you are planning to become an activist and a student at the same time, there will be a lot of moments where you have to use your own leisure time for activism and to make sure that it's not alienating you should like what you're doing.
3: Absolutely, like I, I, I'm gonna take this out of the activist context for a second, but I can definitely see how, that I feel like that 100% applies to what we're trying to do with the radio. I I feel like all of us devote a lot of time to this, it's it's a project that's been in the works for over two years and finally we've gotten to the point where we've worked and now we have the platform where we can raise students' voices to the point where like people can listen. Yeah. And it's not that there never has any, never, not a, a little, so many double negatives, but people have always listened to students, but I think there's always so much more you can hear and i really wanted this platform to be a space where we're all different, we all have different things to say, but all of those things carry their own weight and they always apply to someone and someone can hear something and really resonate with that.
1: Certainly.
3: Um and you have to find enjoyment in it because if you're even if you're being active in your community but you're not happy, there's no fulfillment in that. Yeah. There's none whatsoever and i think just because you're doing something doesn't mean you're going to be productive
4: that is correct that is correct and you really need to um, see what appeals to you because if you're trying to create a better world then i must say that a better world doesn't only consist of activists you really need everybody on board you need musicians you need uh, uh, doctors you need lawyers you need engineers you need all kinds of people, a mosaic of people, so Mm -hmm. to say, everybody doing their own part. And throughout traveling in Europe and seeing how a lot of activists operate, you do see people that are very informed and they are standing behind the cause 100%, but they're passionate about music. That is their passion. They show up to demonstrations and they play music. They host certain events where they play music, they collect money, and they use these donations for decent causes. It's not only activists that mm-hmm. are doing politics. Everything is politics, including what this radio is doing,
5: basically. Uh, so
4: you should host me often.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, we're okay. having a great time right now, very, so I really hope that one. we can have you on. Thanks,
3: nice But I, and that's also a fantastic point that I, I really want to address. <laughs> Everything is political. No matter how hard you try not to make something political, it's gonna be. Yeah. And even the fact that you're trying to nullify those political implications—that's <coughs> a political statement because you don't want something heard. Yeah. Um, it's it's nuts, completely nuts. So everything we do has implication, have implica- has implications to it, and whether we understand that or not, it doesn't mean that they're not there.
4: Absolutely, the fact that you don't want to be part of it doesn't mean that it's not gonna be part of your life. Yeah.
3: Yeah. one hundred percent. There are a lot of things I don't want in my life, but that doesn't mean they're not there. That exactly. doesn't mean I have to, I can't, I have to avoid them for the rest of my life, nor can I, do I have the ability to. These are things we, even the things we don't want to talk about, we're going to have to eventually. And the more we don't, the worse it's going to get. Absolutely. How long did we not want to talk about the goddamn ozone?
4: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <That laughs> how, long,
3: how long did we think hairspray was okay? a really long time and it's bad uh, and i'm not implying that <laughs> hairspray is the only reason the ozone was worsening <laughs>
5: Well, it was what they put in the hairspray, right? Modern hairspray is fine, but they had the the CFCs or whatever they're called. Something like that. Carbon something something something. I am not a science student. Those those hopes are long behind me. But (laughs) I'm here doing radio with some very interesting people and having good conversations and that's important too. And that touches on what uh, A was saying earlier, which is that it's very important no matter what your career is, what your inspiration is, that there's always room for you to to have your own passions and to affect change in the world. Absolutely. And picking your battle again, that is such an important thing, mm-hmm. uh, because you can believe a lot of things, and it's important to have opinions on things. But opinion is is the lowest form, I think, of constructive conversation. You know, it's it's about talking to people who you might not necessarily have the same opinion um, as, and and coming into a middle ground, coming at least to an understanding and understanding where people are coming from. And only then you can really begin to build those connections and build meaningful protest, meaningful change. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's very important. And I see that more and more here in Maastricht and internationally, you talk about movements like Extinction Rebellion Mm -hmm. that are very hip, very sleek. They have great outreach to young people. And they're doing great and exciting things, and being a part of that is so, like I said, fulfilling. Protest can be extremely fun; Uh, it it can be extremely inspiring and fill you with a lot of with a lot of pride. And it's it's very constructive. You know, protest isn't always; it most often is not beautiful, but it it can also doesn't always have to be a bad thing.
4: Yeah, it it embodies its own form of beauty because we also hear this argument very echoed around a lot of social movements, be it extinction rebellion or a lot of movements of libertarians or socialists that these people are doing it for fun. And the counter-argument is even worse, which is, no, they're not doing it for fun, they're doing it because it's their duty. No, actually, you should do it because it's fun. It's a fun duty of yours. Uh, Those kind of activities should not be alienating, basically. There is no problem about enjoying being on a demonstration. It is actually decent, because under capitalism, You will either enjoy extremely fake stuff like consumers and this or or many other stuff that are just, you know, really trivial, not doing anything to make a world a better place. Or you can enjoy being on a demonstration. You can enjoy talking to people. You can enjoy reading a theory book. So enjoyment is a big part of it. I, I certainly believe so. I enjoy doing activism.
5: Yeah, and I think a lot of activism also, and again, this is from the perspective of people, and I know a lot of them who are resistant to this idea, and they feel like other people are putting the blame on them for something. They feel, for example, that the whole vegetarian vegan movement is a don't blame me for, for the meat industry, don't blame me. <laughs> but that's that's such a, I think, one dimensional way of looking at it. It's It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility, and it is your situation. Certainly. And again, mm. as Anastasia mentioned, you have bad things in your life and they're there, just like we have bad things in our world and they're Certainly. there. And it's so important to <clears throat> acknowledge that and uh, to take that in into consideration, into your daily actions. And I think small movements can be just as meaningful as large movements because yeah. your daily mood, your daily disposition, yeah. and your, your large-scale opinions are formed by small actions and small it's, thoughts.
3: It's the amount of love in something. If if you're happy doing something like if you're happy making your vegan oatmeal with a soy milk every morning yes power to you like take that money from the dairy industry they don't need it and if you're just as happy organizing a large-scale city-wide march yeah those things carry weight to them
4: yeah absolutely you know every single change every single tiny change can be a positive change and we need to find a way to address those people that are getting very triggered when a woman says a man harassed me, and they're like, not all men, and they immediately get on a defensive mood. Or when you know they talk about how cis people are not very considerate with you know gender minorities, and they get immediately triggered. Or you know proposing a vegetarian or vegan diet, which is confronted by the most ridiculous thing ever, like Jordan Peterson, the Canadian scholar who proposed uh, uh, eating meat diets, just meat only type of diet which was you know just to kind of confront the people who are calling for different ideas but we need to find a way to address those people to bring them back into our social movement to show them that things could be done differently because the system we live under as well tends to individualize the problem a little bit too much Mm -hmm. so that if there is a climate problem it's because you are using plastic. And of course, this will make people feel that they are being pushed to the corner. They don't want to participate in this anymore. And even worse, it will trigger uh, a counterproductive effect where people are gonna intentionally start using more just to not conform to what you're calling for basically instead of looking at structures we blame people because the system doesn't want you to blame structures
3: the system obviously. doesn't want you to blame men it. like no. it's it's yeah. it's self defense in the most pernicious way yeah it's self defense at the cost of people living freely yeah like if i'm constantly terrified of um doing something in which like, oh, somebody's not gonna like that. Oh, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna be threatened, I'm gonna feel vulnerable and I'm gonna lash out. Yeah. That's that's the fault of the system. That's the fault of how you're conditioned and how you're wired to understand yourself and others around you. Absolutely. And I think that's such a disservice to people. Yeah. It's insane.
5: <laughs> yeah, and one thing I want to actually ask, A, is we talk about these divisions and how these are polarized times politically. Yeah. And it's we talked about diversifying your media diet, which is a crazy sentence in itself, <laughs> but it's important. Uh, but what do you think are some ways that we can come together and, and have constructive political discourse in this time when it seems nearly impossible? Um...
4: I do understand that there are a lot of difficulties of bringing people together at the moment, especially that certain groups are not interested in having any type of fruitful discussion. They're just all about uh, bashing and disagreeing and you know, n- not even a fruitful disagreement, but they just want to oppose you just for the sake of it. It happens a lot. We've seen this a lot also around the Trump supporters. I mean, let's get real. How are you gonna convince a person that bombing a hurricane is not the best way to stop it? You can't how are you gonna convince a person that climate change is not a hoax? So there is certain ground for discussion, but it's again about it's it's a it's a process of selection to an extent. You're not gonna go out and talk to every single person because that's actually unrealistic. You need to be selective. There are different kinds of people in this world to categorize it in a very general way. This categorization has a lot of limitation in itself, but I'll still try. There are people who are already convinced and they are already trying to bring about social change. There are people that are neutral and the third category of people are the people that will never be interested or they are pushing in the opposite direction as you. You need to focus on the second segment, the group of people that is neutral, that is because it's actually Uh, it it constitutes the the, the biggest amount of people on earth. Absolutely, People who are not interested. So focus on citizen assemblies, bring all these citizens together and speak to them about issues that concerns their daily lives. Mm -hmm. It makes little sense to bring all these workers together who are struggling to maintain a living and then tell them about the climate problem and how they should contribute to it. You need something that speaks to the culture of the people as well at the same time, that speaks to their own struggle so that you wouldn't, you know, end up speaking a different language than those people speak, basically.
5: Absolutely. I think those are very good points because as I mentioned, sometimes it seems like a, a bridge too far to speak to these people. But the average person is much more is much more centrist than you would think. Or that's maybe some political discussions would lead you to believe. People have a lot in common. People care about the same things. People care about family, health, mm-hmm. and people in the broad sense they vote on these things as well and people feel the impact of politics in in their lives eventually which is why i have hope for things like climate change i think climate change is something that's felt by the poor and impoverished the most but it will be something that even the rich will care about because we Mm -hmm. are stuck on this rock you know you can talk Mm -hmm. about mars and it's a fun experiment it would be it's it's a beautiful and and exciting endeavor but the the chances of being able to colonize live on mars you know, I'd much rather protect what we have and fight Certainly. for, for the, the planet we have. Certainly, we yeah. have
4: also very different concerns as different classes of people. For the working class or for the middle classes, their concern is to have a dignifying life, but for the rich, the main concern is not a decent health insurance, they already have that. They have, you know, so many yachts, etc., etc. Unfortunately, they'll only start doing something about the climate when the profits are being, you know, well, when basically the climate is undermining their mm-hmm. revenue and it's going to take a long way before the richest profit starts being affected by climate change, I don't think we have enough time to wait for that. So we need to mobilize ourselves uh, and focus on our own, you know, social class, the people that share the same interest with us, basically. I do think that what, for example, Bernie Sanders is doing in the United States is a very interesting job. He's not running around corporations trying to convince them with something. No, he's showing up at schools. He's showing up at, you know, so many local centers, local community centers to talk to people, to raise awareness about those issues. And one of the most interesting points he raised is that what the republicans for example are trying to do is to divide people to divide people over certain issues that are not very important so that the discussion becomes about recycling your plastic instead of the 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 multinational corporations who are dumping tons of plastic in the ocean it's very important to create that situation because if we all share the same basic human needs there wouldn't be a republican party at the first place it is there to convince people that they have different needs while we actually all have the same
3: and i think i think it's all empathy i think it's about yeah. listening and understanding because it's scary to empathize with yeah. someone that you maybe you feel too closely with yeah maybe you see things you don't want to see in yourself with someone else maybe maybe it's making you face a realization that you've tried your whole life not to face and I think empathy is always going to be the key to figuring out things like this because once we can empathize and sympathize and work together and lift each other up that's when we can have good things Absolutely. for everyone Absolutely, and I'm running short on time So I have to wrap things up, but I just want to say, A, thank you so much, Machil, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, Quickly, I want to say on topic, um, September 20th, there will be a climate march in Maastricht, starting (coughs) on the Breithof. Check Facebook, keep updated, participate. Please, it's gonna be a fantastic time. (laughs) Um, Just pay attention, be involved, talk to people, engage, in encouraging and fulfilling ways absolutely, be yourself
4: absolutely love your life Go because only when you
3: love your life can you like make a positive change
4: certainly yeah absolutely um thank you so much for hosting me i really Ooh, appreciate it of course i would like to send a message to all the audience yeah get out and get engaged and as i said before i can't but we can thank you so much for listening viva yay. la revolucion
3: yay Um, Quickly, I want to say thank you to Code043 and RTV for allowing this uh, production to happen.
4: Thank thank you. Um, Thank you so
3: much. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Do you want to lead us out with this last song?
4: Yeah, of course. What's it called? I actually don't know. It's just a video on YouTube, but you can find it on YouTube. It's called Hasta Siempre Comandante Marcos.
3: Perfect. Thank you, everybody. Wonderful.
1: Have a good day. We like that I a
0: 87.5 op de kabel 107.5 in de ether. Dit is ons althans met het radio nieuws. De man die veroordeeld is voor de moord op de 12-jarige Danny Gubbels in 2010 op een woonwagenkamp in Breda is vanuit Colombia uitgeleverd aan Nederland en vandaag aangekomen op Schiphol. De Brit werd in 2011 opgepakt in Engeland en uitgeleverd aan Nederland tijdens een hoge beroep verdween hij spoorloos en dook later op in Colombia. In juli 2010 zat de 12-jarige Danny aan tafel toen zijn woonwagen onder vuur werd genomen. Waardoor hij om het leven kwam. Vermoedelijk was er een drugsconflict met de vader van Danny. In Tallahassee, Florida zijn zeker zes mensen gewond geraakt en opgenomen in een ziekenhuis. na een steekpartij in een bedrijf. De verdachte, waarvan niet duidelijk is of het een werknemer van het bedrijf is.